Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Matt Bradbury. Matt is the founder of Business Acquisition and Merger Associates, a boutique middle market investment bank that sold over 200 business sales, generating more than $1.5 billion in proceeds. Prior to starting BAMA, Matt led M&A transactions in the fitness industry and learned a lot about working with private equity and mezzanine groups, investing alongside both. Today, he and his firm take a culture and experience first approach to finding the best transaction partner and fit. Thanks so much for joining me today, Matt. Uh, My pleasure, Diane. So let's talk about um, the sorts of considerations that business owners go through when they're selling their business, or maybe I should say should go through when selling their business. Well, it's interesting. Half of our practice is retained by site search, where we help people go out and find companies to acquire. And then the other half is going out and representing a seller and selling their company. And I bring that up because here, when I'm reaching out to companies blind or cold, most have not really given a lot of consideration as to what should they be thinking about when when selling their company. Yeah. Where folks that are ready to sell, a lot of times they've given a lot of consideration to it. But here's here's some of the most common things that we see. If I'm talking to somebody cold, they're a business owner, and I want you to think of your listener that maybe gets inundated with emails or calls from private equity groups every day, and they're saying, "Hey, I'm interested in buying your business." You know, one of the biggest uh, things we hear from them is what is the actual after-tax, after-transaction cost proceeds that I'm going to get. So they really can make a quick decision whether this is something that they should give consideration to or keep their head down and continue to grow their business. Uh, Related to that is what is their business worth? Um, I would say about, it's a 33, 33, 33 33 are pretty much on it. 33% thinks it's worth more than it's worth. And 33% uh, could undervalue it either a little or a lot. So just so you know, there's a a good uh, breakout of groups in that regard. Um, With regards to the net proceeds, you know, they're also thinking about their lifestyle and will the net proceeds be enough to cover their retirement needs. And then lastly, if they have family or long-term managers that have been in the business 20, 30, 40 years. Other considerations are, should I sell it to my family? Should I sell it to my nephew, my next generation? Uh, Should I sell it to the management team? Is this a strategic buyer, a financial buyer? Or uh, even should they shut it down? You'd be surprised how often people think no one would be interested in my business. 
I don't have something that's really sellable. Sometimes there's truth to that. And they do end up just uh, shutting their companies down. Wow, that's interesting. It's a lot to consider. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of variables. There's a lot going on. Yeah. So, what are the factors that drive company value? Uh, The basic ones, the first ones I'm going to say are the numbers. So, what, tell us about your numbers, Mr. Business Owner. Are your revenues flat? Are they growing? Are they declining? I can have two businesses with the same level of profitability, but one business is growing at its top line 20% a year. The other one has been falling off three to 5% a year for the last couple of years. The one that's grown 20% a year is going to be worth materially more in the market than the one that isn't, even though their profitability today at the snapshot in time is the same. Um, trends in their gross margin. And we always like to say to business owners, gross margin denotes value. And if you have really good gross margins, um, every industry is unique, but say 40, 50, 60% gross margins, 80% gross margins, those are really valuable companies. Uh, If you have what I would call commodity gross margins, uh, things that are less than 20%, there's not about the market is only paying you and you're only able to generate a gross profit uh, on a very small amount. So in order to really get a lot of money to flow to the bottom line, you've got to see massive growth in your revenue, where if I have a business and it has a 60% or 70% gross profit, um, literally, as I continue to grow this business, a lot of that gross profit will flow to the bottom line. And then customer growth. This, this gets back to just overall trends in the business. Am I adding customers? Am I flat? Uh, and then EBITDA, the bottom line growth. And again, a lot of these things all coalesce together, but you would find that if you got really good gross profit, you can grow your business 5, 10, 15% a year, and you'll see really robust EBITDA growth on the bottom line. So they're going to be looking at that. Other factors that drive value, how strong is your management team? Would you say that you have a complete management team or an incomplete management team? Do you have a a real CFO or are they a controller? Uh, Have you started to build out your HR function and that's that side of the business is really professionalized. Uh, your what is the age and kind of career highlight of your management team? Are they within the next two years, 50 or 60 percent of them are looking to land the plane and retire? Or you've got a bunch of 40, 50 year olds that have five to 10 years of runway ahead of them. Um, CapEx, this is another thing that will impact the value of your business. CapEx meaning capital uh, expense for equipment. Does your business generate a lot of free cash flow that you then get to dividend to yourself and put in your pocket or pay debt service with it? Or do you need to go out and buy lots of trucks or lots of CNC machines or lots of injection molding machines? Like Some equipment is really, really expensive. And if you have a business that just consumes a lot of equipment, a lot of times there's a false sense of security that I'm I'm making money when you really aren't because you've got to take a big slug of your, quote, profit and then reinvest it back in the business. What is the condition of your assets? 
We do a lot of work with commercial, large commercial landscape businesses, and we see all different approaches to their equipment and trucks. The guys that are regularly updating their equipment every four to five years, it doesn't get older than that, is going to be worth a lot more than the guy that tries to hold on to his trucks and equipment for 10 or 12 years. Um, And then what are trends in the industry? Uh, We have seen, I've been in in business almost 20 years now, and oil and gas services used to be a really, really good place. Now it's like it's got the plague. With ESG uh, initiatives, a lot of investors are saying, I'm not going to buy or invest in anything that's tied to oil and gas. So if you make valves, if you do services, if you do drilling, if you're anything related to oil and gas, that can be really uh, detrimental to value right now. On the alternative, let's say you've got you know the next best wing bang uh, EV battery system that's environmentally friendly. You're going to have lots of interest in that uh, when compared to some of the other things. Construction, what are trends in construction right now? And anything related to construction, uh, if you've got a company that does that, when interest rates are going up over 7%, 8%, and that will dramatically reduce the amount of construction that's going to be taking place over the next couple of years. So where, where, is, where are the trends for your kind of business? That, that's really interesting because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, okay, so a lot of it has to do with timing. Right. I mean, those things, as you said, at one point were gold and then the tides change and all of a sudden they aren't. So when you're really onto something there and uh, along those lines, overall valuations almost across the board have come down what I would say a half to two turns of EBITDA, depending on the kind of business because of where we are in the economic cycle, because of rising interest rates and any buyer is going to have more debt service, which means they have less money that they can pay to you. And again, they think and they see, and actually we're seeing in real time, orders getting canceled, backlog being consumed. Um, Folks are finding they've got more inventory. I think we're still at the early innings, the second or third inning on the the painful part of going through what will likely be a recession over the next uh, couple quarters here. Yeah, right. Yeah, boy, there's it's just so much to to consider. Are there um talk to me about like the the things that are hard to overcome and things that can be overcome when when it comes to this whole that's valuation. a great question. Um, we we call those valuation dingers and things that can or can't be overcome. I'm going to say like a trend, like I just mentioned around oil and gas, yeah. you really can't overcome that if it's out in the market and that is a trend. Uh, one of the biggest dingers we see that I, I would encourage uh, business owners to dramatically focus on, you can't fix it overnight, but you can fix it over time. And it's customer concentration. Uh, You'd be surprised how many companies may have a customer that's 20, 30, 40, 50% of their business. 
Okay. A 50% customer just is yelling risk, risk, risk. If I lose this customer, if the buyer loses this customer, I will probably lose more than 50% of my profit and more than 50% of my value. And a lot of guys will just have a knee-jerk response. They won't touch it. Sure. Another one is, you know, how well are you complying with laws? Do you are you paying your taxes? Are you running a really good legitimate business? If not, really clean it up and get yourself squared away. Folks do not want to get involved in operations where corners are being cut. Uh they don't have a legal workforce, you know, and, and folks can be e-verified to validate that they're legal. Um, they're not following through on some of the laws around different kinds of uh, benefits and withholding and things like that. You, again, in my my business, I see all kinds of stuff. The biggest good, good business challenge is going to be uh, customer concentration, though. The other one is going to be management team as a dinger. I mentioned earlier that if you've got a, a bunch of folks that are looking to land the plane or some big holes, uh, yeah. you can fix that. Go ahead and make sure that you are promoting right now and and helping the next generation to get the title and get the responsibility and have the accountability for specific roles, whether it's you know the next VP of finance, VP of operations, or chief financial officer and get some of your existing guys to really work on mentoring and coaching them. So they're ready to go. Boy, those are great. Those are really, uh, I really appreciate that. And, and will you talk some about um, management buyouts, you know, how they work, what are things to consider? Because you have mentioned a couple of times about the management team. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's a big deal, especially for you know small businesses. They want to make sure people are taken care of. Well, one of the things I want to convey, if you've got a business that's 10 million of revenue and larger, you probably have a good scenario to get a management buyout squared away where uh, your management team doesn't have to have a lot of cash to put into it, yet a good capital partner can come in and really support them in getting a meaningful equity stake in the business to continue to grow it. Uh, almost, almost all the time, I'm going to say like 95, 96% of the time, if I ask a business owner, hey, would you sell to your management team? They say, I would love to, but they don't have any money. Yeah, And we would just say, if you're of a certain size and scale, uh, we can help them, quote, get the money to affect the transaction and get a lot of upside for leading the business in the future. If it's a small business and maybe you do a million dollars or $2 million a year of revenue and you make two to $400,000 of a profit, a business like that could participate with the uh, management team buying it and getting SBA financing. And they really don't need a lot of capital to make that happen. Uh, typically, a business owner will loan them part of the down payment they need. They'll need to go to some friends and family, make sure they have another tranche of uh, down payment on their behalf, not dissimilar to when you buy a house. But for all intents and purposes, if they're a good manager and have good credit, they should be able to buy that business with SBA financing, a little help from the seller. 
and a little bit of capital themselves. Wow, I had no idea. That that's really interesting. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Okay. So now someone has decided they're not going to sell to their management team. They're they're going to sell straight out. And I would imagine that they, that most of them, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I would think that most of them are, are interested in making sure that they're selling to, you know, what I'll call the right partner, you know, someone who appreciates the business as much as they do. Are yes. there like tells or things? that owners should like watch out for in that regard? Yes. Number one, uh, I would look, let me back up. There's about 5,500 to 6,000, I'm going to put in quotes, private equity groups or private investors out there to buy companies. And I would not sell my company to about 80 to 85% of them. Wow. So think about that. Yeah. There's 5,500 to 6,000. I wouldn't sell my company to 85%. Why and is that? It's, it gets down to culture and uh, do they really have the experience and the skills and the culture to align well with a particular business? Mm-hmm. Most, of, most of the groups, most of the emails and uh, letters and calls that they get are from folks that don't have any capital. Okay. And we call that an independent sponsor, a fundless sponsor, or sometimes a search fund. And they're not, they're not investing out of a dedicated fund. What they do is they look to find an opportunity. They look to get it under contract and then they look to remarket that to other private equity groups that are funded to come in. And some of them are good, but the vast majority, they just don't have the experience. They worked at a private equity group in the past and they want to go out and try to make a name for themselves. And the challenge with that is they don't have the real tangible, tangible experience. We look for guys that have a genuine scar tissue. They've been around 10, 15, 20 years, and they have a great body of work and reputation that you can talk to any of their past CEOs or business owners that they worked with, and they'll give get a great recommendation whether the economy was in a good cycle or a bad cycle. The best guys are wicked smart, but super humble. And it, for your listeners, that's what I would outline as the characteristic that we look for ourselves on behalf of our clients and I would encourage them, look for smart, but really, really humble 
prospective buyers. That is the recipe of the top 15%. They don't pound their chest and tell them, you know, how smart they are. And I'm the majority owner and you need to do what I say. They never do that. They never do that. They always ask the right questions and they allow management to still drive the boat and lead it and look to make the best decisions tomorrow, excuse me, together by sharing their experience and asking really good questions so they can figure that out together. But a lot of humility. That's really great. I love that. Wow. Um, Okay. So another question that I have is about selling the whole company or part of it, you know, retaining part ownership. What are the pros and cons of either of those? Well, part of it is going to be where you are in your, your tenure as a business owner. If you're 66 to 70 years old and you really are ready to go or you've got a health issue that's cropped up, you know, you're going to want to sell all of your business in most instances. If you have uh, a business that is heavily, heavily reliant on you, either because of super key relationships or certain uh, intellectual property that you have in your head that others don't really have, then a buyer's probably still going to want to have you uh, participate in some sort of equity stake to to tie it to future growth and future results. The less risk you have in your business, the more you've done to de-risk it with having great people with a lot of accountability that drive it and you can go on vacation for one or two months and the business just runs really well, you're going to find that buyers will not require that you need to participate in ownership or future equity. If you're uh, always finding that you're firefighting, it does depend on you. You will probably find guys that that's required, especially if you're going to be what's called a platform. If you're a business that will be an add-on to another strategic business and they have a lot of infrastructure in place and a lot of experience in your space, then that would be an opportunity as well. As I'm, If I was representing you, I'd say, hey, given your age and where you are, we should only sell to a strategic because uh, they're really going to understand your business. They're not going to require you to have to roll over equity. They're going to understand your business really well and be able to step right in and not see some of the risks that they're as big as, say, a financial buyer who doesn't have that same experience. Oh, so a lot of it depends on, if I'm hearing you correctly, a lot of it depends on where you are in your life cycle, um, the kind of buyer who's going to be interested in buying your business and those things, you know, really need to be in alignment. Yes. And how how de-risked the business is, how easy it is for it to run on its own without you. Yeah, that's a big one. That's that's a big one. Um, and speaking of that, so one of the things I find is that a lot of business owners are probably too involved in the business um, and then get to a point where they want to sell, but they're they're really not ready for it. So I, I always ask this question of, of folks in your industry. It's always interesting um, to hear the answer. When should a business owner start planning for selling? 
I, uh, I think the best guys <laughs> that we talk to when we're doing buy side work, they're always open to listening and seeing if the time is right for them now. We discussed earlier, Diane, how the economic cycle can really impact whether you sell or not. I yeah. guarantee you there are people right now that are kicking themselves that they didn't do a deal 12 months or 18 months ago when they had really good trends and interest rates were really lower and the whole market was paying one and a half times EBITDA more for the same business than what they're paying today. So give consideration, especially as we get up in years. I'm, I'm 62 years old. I've been through plenty of economic cycles and they all play out exactly the same. A typical M&A uh, transaction cycle is 10, between 10 and 12 years. And that means that for about eight of those years, you have the normal cycle where companies are normally valued and interest rates are normal. If you uh, go into a recessionary period, you're going to see a decline in value. Um, as you're coming out of that recessionary period, that is the time that you'll start to see real fast aggressive growth. Interest rates will come down and you'll get this window of some really good uh, valuations. Same thing on the tail end of a cycle. You'll get one or two turns of EBITDA more for your business for just a handful of years in that 10 to 12 year cycle. And you want to take advantage of it. Otherwise, you're you're in for the long haul again if you're going to wait for that yeah. uh, to come out. You should always be thinking, is my business ready to sell? Is it really dependent on me or do I have it where I could walk out the door in 30 days and they're not going to miss a beat? And so the mandate would be always be working on your business to get it to that point that you can always talk to a, a buyer and say, hey, I, I can walk out of here in 30 days. You'll have a great business. This is an excellent team. Um, that's going to be a really valuable business. Yeah, no kidding. That's great advice. This is such an, I love the way that you talk about this um, because you talk about it from both sides of the table, which is really valuable. And, you know, people who, I mean, from what I'm hearing is people who are looking to sell, but also people who are open to selling. Like, you know, that that's one of the things that I'm hearing that when a, when a potential buyer comes along, be ready. Be ready. Uh -huh. We sold a, a real quick story. Yeah. We sold the largest deck builder in the world in 2008, right before the real estate crash. Oh my God, really? Yeah. And thank goodness that they sold. The business really went through a hard time. And yeah. the buyer who bought it did have the skill and the experience to bring that around and pull it through. But from an absolute valuation standpoint, it took several years to go through that whole period. There's no way that the owner of that business would have gotten anywhere near as what he got for it had he uh, waited and not taken advantage of it when the trends were really good and uh, the visibility into his numbers were really good and people didn't see the economic cycle coming. Yeah. So, Right. Well, and that's another really good point is that you ne you don't necessarily know when those things are going to happen. Not really. Yeah. You can start to tell. Well, <laughs> you can start to tell. Don't fight the Fed when the Fed is raising interest rates. They're doing that for a reason. 
And that usually is uh, to slow things down and cool things off. And cool things off is typically general. And it happens to lots of businesses. And you want to be selling when everything is full steam ahead and uh, your numbers are growing. Your gross margin is expansion is expanding. It's not going the other way. Yeah, right. That's great. That is great. Oh, Matt, thanks so much for spending this time with me. Will you uh, tell the listeners how they can find you, please? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my company is Business Acquisition and Merger Associates. Our website is www.buysellyourbusiness.com, B-U-Y-S-E-L-L, yourbusiness.com. And you can reach me at 704 295 0102. That's 704 295 0102. Thank you. Oh, sure. Thank you. I mean, this was great. And and really information that any of the listeners at any stage in their business can get something out of. So thank you so much for that. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Lachifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.